Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening today. Highly appreciated. I think that the um, ever since sports gambling became legal in New York State, you see the uh, the ads everywhere, and every ad that comes up always has the disclaimer at the end. You know, call this number if you might have a problem. I would say if you have the intention of gambling on today's Pro Bowl, if you plan on betting on the Pro Bowl, call the 800 number. I think you have a problem. It really is sports' worst all-star game, isn't it? Basketball does a good one. You know, the, the who doesn't love the dunk contest? Even the game itself is just a highlight reel. But the players actually play. Not a lot of defense, but they play. Baseball, same deal. I think baseball's a lot of fun. That all-star game, I went a few years ago when it was in Cleveland. Home run derby's a blast. The game itself, again, highlight reel. In actual competition, too, baseball is the one sport that did a good job of making their all-star game means something because I'm pretty sure, at least for a little while, is this still the case that whoever wins the All-Star Game hosts the World Series? That was the rule, at least for a while. Maybe it still is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. Anyway, but 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 football, Pro Bowl, pfft. today's game is not even worth watching. They do some cool stuff like rookie challenges and skills challenges and stuff they did yesterday and the day before. That kind of stuff is cool, but the actual game is... It's mostly pointless. Anyway, thank you uh, for listening to the podcast today. I have a confession to make to you, and that is that for whatever reason, I and I feel so stupid, but I have to share this with you. I had no idea that everyone gets the same word for Wordle every day. I didn't know that. I had no idea. I thought, because I posted something on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, the word was prick, and I posted how it's a, a it's a completely innocent word, prick is, but of course, my mind immediately goes to the gutter, and I got yelled at. A bunch of people were saying, don't post the word, don't post the word, and I was like, what do you care about my word? And then it occurred to me, I went, oh, actually, I can back it up. I'm even dumber than that regarding Wordle. I started, I downloaded an app called Wordle and started playing a game that had absolutely nothing to do with what everyone else was doing. And I kept thinking, how do I get to the one that's like the ones I see on Twitter? You know, I keep playing these wordles. It looks nothing like what everyone else is experiencing because people always post their scores. And and I'm going, why, why does mine look different than everyone else's? And so first I figured out that I had the wrong app. Then I figured out it was just a web-based search. Then I did that and didn't realize everyone has a different word. I am just – then, by the way, I actually stink at Wordle because I don't have much of a vocabulary. So it's not been good. Not a good experience for me. I still play every day. I've had one or two where I got it on, like, the third guess. That does make you feel good. You know what it is? It's like golf. You might stink at it, but you have that one shot. Like, every time I go golf every summer – I stink, I stink, I stink, and then somewhere in those 18 holes, I'll have like a ridiculously miraculous shot. And I and I think to myself, I go, "Oh, yeah, I can do this. This is fun. Maybe I can, maybe I keep doing this. <laughs> maybe a little bit more practice is all I need, right? <sighs> we'll see. We'll see if that day ever comes. Oh my god. Wouldn't that be something? To be able to just go out and golf a few times a week, finally get respectable at it, that'd be great. Anyway, thank you for listening. I do want to mention that um, today's podcast is one that I didn't think you were going to hear. I almost lost this podcast. I recorded it 
in a in a weird way. I, I must have hit a button or something, and my recorder just took this podcast and did something to the file different than I'd ever seen before. And I never really have much time, but last weekend, last Sunday morning, for whatever reason, I think I woke up early. I was sitting here with a cup of coffee at my computer, and I said, let me dive in, see if I can fix this. And I was able to convert the file and turn it into an MP3, essentially bringing it back to life, breathing life into a file that I thought there was a chance you were never going to get to hear. It's an interview I did actually a few weeks ago with Alana from Record Archive. And I am so glad that I was able to resurrect it so you can hear it because she is a force of nature. I absolutely love her, respect everything she does, and the business that she runs at Record Archive is uh, its really amazing. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. It's Elena Alderman, Record Archive, one of Rochester's absolute best. And if you've never been, you gotta go. The place is a treasure. so much oh come on i do you are you know i love <laughs> entrepreneurs i love business owners and you are just on fire oh my gosh well thank you i guess i never thought about it that way well, being around you is inspirational like being oh. around you you just you just run this joint <laughs> and it is so cool to watch thank you um yeah i do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i guess i gotta own that right uh you know i i have had the great fortune you said we were going to get a lot know, of calls. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. I um, think it's cool. People see you working, right? The, yeah, the, they do. You know, you might yeah. hear it a couple more times. Um, <laughs> I have had the great fortune of um, doing something that I absolutely love for almost thirty-seven years. Can we go back in time a little? We bit? can go back in time. Where, where did you actually grow up? I grew up in the city. I grew up in the Nineteenth Ward, off okay. of Chile Avenue, Lincoln Avenue. Um, uh, you know, very uh, uh, low middle class. You know, really city. You know, nice. I had a wonderful childhood. Great, great parents. Great sister. What did your parents do for a living? Um, very, very basic. My dad was a truck driver, and uh, then he worked for U of R in the busing department when he got laid off by Aria Express Company, which was a precursor to UPS. And my mom was stay-at-home mom, and she would go to work at night, uh, waitressing and work in a restaurant. I didn't realize how much of a sacrifice they made to put two girls through Catholic school. Well, it sounds like <laughs> work ethic for sure, right? I no mean, doubt. I saw a ton of work ethic. No doubt. I mean, mom worked two jobs. Yep. Because staying home is a job. Oh, you know it. <laughs> and and dad's a truck driver, right? Yep. So, I mean, you saw work ethic. And, sure. you know, what? and thinking about that, I just talked about this the other day with my daughter. My father uh, used to clean offices on the weekends, and I would go with him. There you go. So, it all, you know, as an adult, I look back now, I'm like, they really busted their 
cocktails to give me a good life. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, so um, yeah, so I grew up uh, 19th Ward. Which went high school? To, I went to Catholic school my whole life. So I started St. Augustine's, then I went to St. Helens, then I went to St. Agnes, and then I was the first co-ed class at Aquinas. First class? Yes, cool. co-ed. <laughs> broke the tradition that, that did not go over well. <laughs> so when, well, how did that work? Was it just your senior year that, the, that they let the boys yeah. in? Or? Yeah, I'll never forget. So St. Agnes was over by University of Rochester, yeah. and um, they went. They basically called us in the auditorium on my junior year and said, sorry, but we've, we're closing up. So here we are. We're all excited going into our senior year. We're like, what? And it was really sad because mm, there was only a small group that went to Aquinas because they opened their doors and said, well, we'll try this thing with the girls. But a lot of girls went to Mercy. Some went to Cardinal Mooney. But it really, really, you know, you, oh, it really split us all up. went in a million different yeah. directions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was it kind of, was there anything that was it like, oh my God, we're going to be around boys now? Was that a good thing or a bad thing? It was a great thing. It I mean, I, I'm, first of all, I've always had a lot of good male friends. I've always, I kind of ran with the boys. Yeah. I'm a little more, you know, rough and tough. I joke with my husband saying, aren't you happy that you didn't marry a frail little flower <laughs> that I can lift heavy furniture and kick some ass along the way? <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, so I've always had a lot of guy friends. So it was really it was a wonderful opportunity. Great school. I wish I, I went through all four years. When I talk, If I were to talk to you when you were a senior in high school, what would you have told me you were going to be when you grew up? Oh, but you know, it's oh, that's such a heavy question because I'm going through this with my son right now. He'll be graduating this year. I had no idea. And that, and this is, it's interesting because I'm at this point now with I'm trying to guide my son to make good choices in whatever his future paths may be. And, um, it's okay not to know. Uh, the thing that I remember a tremendous amount of pressure because I had all my friends like, oh, one's going marching off to this college, one's going here, going there. I said no. So when I graduated in 1983, age myself, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I took a year, I was working for Wegmans because I I had been working since I was 16. I not had a job, so I worked for Wegmans part time. When I graduated, didn't know what I wanted to do. Went on full time for them, which I have to give big props to them because that's where my customer service background came from. Was from Wegmans. They instilled that. I mean, Bob Wegman, God rest his soul. He w- he was a genius, I think. Um, anyway, but so I worked for Wegmans full time, and then I realized, oh my God, I'm 18 years old, 19 years old, and I don't want to work in a grocery store my whole life with all due respect. And so I went to Florida, was going to go to FSU down there, stayed up with my aunt and uncle, quit my job. And my sister was the one said, Elena, come back and take my job at Record Archive. I'm like, well, I don't even know what you do there. <laughs> so she was the bookkeeper. She was an o- worked in the office. She was older than you? Yep. She was three and a half years older than and, I am. And she worked at Record Archive? She worked at Record Archive. She was doing, a, and she wanted to start her own, again, the entrepreneurial spirit. She wanted to start her own account, a tax and accounting business. So she, I said, all right, I'll never forget. It was like such a, you know, uh, Empire Records moment, kind of, you know, all those those really funny movies about uh, record stores. I showed up my first day, June 1st, 1985, and I'm sitting on the stairs, and this guy, long-haired guy, comes like, hey, kid, we're not open yet. I said, I work here? He's <laughs> like, who are you? <laughs> Richard never even interviewed me. He just... You know, when my sister told him that she want what she wanted to do, he's like, she's like, my sister can do my job. He's like, okay. And he just said, okay. <laughs> Tell, just, let's stop for a second because you just introduced Richard, who's yes. another big fi- uh, figure in the story. Tell us who you're talking about. His name is Richard F. Storms, Dick Storms, a.k.a. the record man. Yep. The the mad, crazy, mad hatter that started, this was, he was, he's the vision behind Record Archive. Started Record Archive in 1975 at a flea market. 
and he's been my business partner since 1984. He started a fleet, so he did this like a booth, like a yeah. 10 by 10 booth? Yep, it's, it's great. He'll, t- he, he'll tell you the story. In fact, um, we are, again, very blessed with um, winning, a, in essence, record, record Store of the Year Award back in 2019, and um, which was just a, this great, you know, acknowledgement from all your peers in the music industry and yada yada anyways but so he started at a flea market he had a a different business partner then and they were just buying and selling news records one day and he said you know i i came i made a thousand dollars one day and that's in the 70s -hmm. i thought oh man i got a business idea (laughs) and that's where it started for him so he was in the basement at village green bookstore which that was another phenomenal business a great independent business in rochester on monterey avenue and uh he was down there growing his business, buying and selling his records. Then he moved to Mount Hope Avenue. And at the time, I think, I don't know if he and his wife were married at the time or if they were still together. Do, do you know what he was doing before that flea market in 1975? Oh, yeah, but he uh, nobody can tell a story better than he can. Right, and, right. and one of the things I know, he's he was he's a man of many trades. Right. Um, he was a uh, roadie for Quicksilver Messenger Service, nice. which um, opened up with uh, Janis Joplin back in the 60s. So he did a lot of um, masonry work. He was all over the place. I mean, he was a total hippie, you know, guy in the 60s and yeah. um, big music passionate fan uh, person, obviously his whole life and, and now a musician himself and um, great, crazy entrepreneur, crazy wild businessman, really eccentric. And just absolutely wonderful and brilliant, incredible mind, very kind person, super smart, and so many, so many aspects. And I mean, it's incredible vocabulary, amazing artist, you name it. Yeah. So bring me forward ten years, nineteen eighty-five. A young I Elena Alderman <laughs> comes back from Florida. <laughs> I was Elena Hill then, but Elena. yes. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I come back. I start this kooky job. I felt like and were you I, the bookkeeper. Or I were was you the book. Working? I would. Co- I was working three days a week. I would come in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'll never forget this because I started going to MCC at the time. So I'd go to cl- take classes in the morning from eight until noon. From noon until five, I'd go to Record Archive, and I basically would open the mail, do the banking, learn learn about the business, and if you will, run the front counter, work at the front counter, and um, just really kind of delved into it. There was no like handbook or guideline or instructors kind of like yeah this is what you do whatever <laughs> find some stuff to do so it was this really cool kooky environment that I was like a fish out of water I, I didn't know I was like this kind of straight I, I feel like I was like this kind of straight boring I felt like Marilyn and the Munsters okay <laughs> that's how I can describe it like all these cool freaky cool people they got way more game than I would ever have and yet I was so intrigued and I was so taken by this group. It was fascinating. So you loved it from day one. I did. Yeah. I did. I, was, I think I was intimidated by it. But then there was these cool women that worked there, Beth and Kathy and Patty and Liz. And, you know, I got to know them and we're going out and seeing shows and like getting into the art scene. And it was just really just mind blowing. How do you go from just the, the new girl who's doing the books to kind of like a different level? Because obviously yeah. at some point... He trusts you to the extent where you're at today, but that has to be earned over time, right? That doesn't Correct. come on your right. second week. In <laughs> no. Where do you think the breaks were in there where you started to be like, and he started looking at you going, okay, yeah. hey, she can run this joint. Well, I think um, if my memory serves me, so it, when I started at Record Archive, was eight, 1985, and from 1985 to 1987, I was going to MCC to get my associate's degree. So I was working at Record Archive, going to school, and I was, at the time, I was interested in fashion buying and merchandising. I was going to go to FIT in New York. That's what I thought my big game plan was going to be. So when I finished at MCC, Richard said, Elena, 
what are you gonna do why don't you come on full-time here and I and and so I knew that I had liked it enough where I like I really enjoyed being there it was a lot of fun and uh, I said well if you need some I need, you need somebody to run your business I mean they had one rotary dial telephone an old school <laughs> register people would show up they wouldn't show up somebody sleeping in the back room and it was like this really <laughs> kooky and one guy smoking in the basement another guy's like coming all hung over he's laying down in the back room I mean it was just like this crazy well, scene. Well can I ask you a question about that though yeah. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you but it seems in a way that seems very romantic they, thinking yeah. about that like oh my gosh the it's the mid 80s and it's a record store and there's a guy smoking in the basement somebody <laughs> didn't show up and they but there's also a business to run exactly <laughs> so exactly. Was, were, were you occasionally also pulling your hair out going like hey well i was just kind of like <laughs> amazed of how i mean it was a incredibly robust business you know and that and again now it's funny because here we are in 2022 and vinyl's never been stronger but back in the 80s vinyl was incredibly strong too so mm -hmm. that it was a record store for sure so it, there was this crazy business and the same thing i'm like wow i you know all i i saw so much opportunity and so much excitement and passion I'm like oh i could try this i could do this because richard was really wonderful at allowing me a lot of freedoms and encouraging and supporting and guiding and he never stopped me i'm like we should do this so we were the first single store to become completely uh point of sale activate we so i could track my inventory and customize like what all the big chains had we were the first single store applications on this company called young systems but what was that like to implement did it you was to, it was pretty cool did you have I, to go like album for album the yeah, first yeah yep scanning <laughs> things all that stuff but the <laughs> how that all came to be is that he started taking me to trade shows and conventions and that was really kind of opening my eyes of seeing the music industry at large because you know we're just a little speck in rochester here but seeing it on the much broader scale so when i finished at mcc he said why don't you come full time and i thought well yeah, I kind of liked it. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I never looked back. And I, shit, I mean, if anyone had told me 37 years ago, <laughs> I'd still be doing this. I would have laughed in their face. Right. But I, I have, I'm so grateful because I've had such a fun run, a fun ride, and met incredible people and traveled and met musicians and party with rock stars and all the cool, you know, perks that come with being right. in a record store. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to get to all that for yeah. sure. For <laughs> sure. Okay. So where, I don't even know where to start. I want to get to all that, actually. Oh, okay. So <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about business stuff first Kay. and then get to some fun stories second. Sure. So let's talk about vinyl in general. Like you said, strong in the 80s, strong in 2022. But there's a middle there where it goes away for a while right? oh yeah it was let me tell you white knuckle ride uh -huh. because so we you know we had the mount hope store so that you know in 75 he really moved there like 77 maybe i think it was 78 i can't even remember what year that was but so we had that that store going and it was rocking and then as really now you enter into the late 80s early 90s and things started to change you know, CDs, the name of the game. Vinyl is really taking a backside. They stopped manufacturing vinyl. There was the mini disc CD. There was the digital cassette tape, all these like kooky formats out there. But <laughs> CD was really taken in stronghold. And um, in 1994, we opened up our second store on East Avenue, which was where the old, where DeBellas is now. That's, mm -hmm. that's where it used to be, Bayless Furniture. So I said, all right, because I want, you know, we were really rocking. I wanted to give my staff an opportunity to grow. I wanted to grow the business. I wanted to challenge myself. So we took over this cool space, and it was lovely. It was an old furniture store, a beautiful white carpeting. So I had the two stores. It was a pain in the ass having two stores. I hated it. I hated not having everybody under one roof. There's a certain vibe and energy, and I don't think I'm a control freak, but I do like things a certain way. And I there's a vision, and there's a certain level of quality and comfort and and it, it's really dif difficult to replicate that. 
So so it, you can't be in two places at once. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. do it. And and that, was, uh, that was so. How long with two stores until you went down to one? Um, so we closed the Mount Hope store whenever the Wegmans closed over there. That was the real kicker for us on Mount uh-huh. Hope Avenue, uh-huh. over by U of R, because that neighborhood they kept saying we're going to build this whole college town for years, yeah. for decades, and they they finally did it. But never once they even say, hey, Record Archive, would you like to be part of it? Nothing. They go to freaking architects outside of the city. I mean, just stupid-ass stuff. But yeah. anyway, they so. They in a grocery store from Cleveland ex- or something. Thank you. Yeah. Like when you've got Wegmans. Yeah. You know, so a lot of That was steps. weird. Oh, that they've done a lot of not, not asking. Like it's a weird to get onto. That's a whole yeah, other. Yeah, that's a whole other. That's a whole other There were some weird decisions Really bad. And a few of them bit them in the ass, I think. It deservedly so. Yeah. Because, you know, why would you do that? We've got an incredible talent pool. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's no reason to step outside rochester for anything totally but Agreed. yeah we're going off off, yeah. to off topic <laughs> there but so um the so 94 is when we had east Ave. we had the two for probably oh god this is where it gets a little gray for me because i'm saying it wasn't long maybe five eight years five years it wasn't oh. i wasn't too long and then that's longer than i thought you were gonna say yeah no it, it was it was it was pretty good and east avenue we were forced out of there because Wegmans wanted to expand. So M&T Bank liked our location. And so the landlord's like, you're out. And Richard and I were panicking. Like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And and it was the best thing that ever happened, clearly, because I love my space now. But um, So we like this general vicinity because we're still in the city of Rochester. But as you can tell, we border some really lovely suburbs, you know, Pittsford and Brighton and you know, heading uh, north to Rondecoid and Penfield and Webster and all that kind of stuff. But um, so we we saw this warehouse and we loved it. What was in here? It was it's owned by Radic Electrical, so they were doing huge like fabrication projects. They're responsible for all of the lighting, like at RIT, the parking lots, okay. the hospitals. They do a lot of that kind of stuff. So it was just big pipes and <laughs> real industrial, and I'm like, it was just big dirty space, <laughs> and so. We saw it, and I'm like, oh, I love this. Look at these big high ceilings. And we both, Richard and I both were really excited about it. So we turned the loading dock into our front, and there was a real active loading dock. We closed that off, built the big record. And, we, you know, we had to do some some work in here, obviously. But we loved the rawness of it and the industrialness of that, that feel and that the big high ceilings is really, really cool. So it's 10,000 square feet, this space. And I never thought we'd be out of space. <laughs> We're out of space. So that was in 2000. Let me see. I had my third child in 2009. So, yeah, it was 2008. What about the, the sort of the original question I was asking about vinyl kind of goes away. CDs become a thing. You said there were white knuckle moments. Yeah. You said the business was robust in the 80s. Did you guys have m- years here oh. where you're going, oh, boy. Oh, oh yeah. Boy. I mean, I had to let go of my assistant. Uh. I can't tell you how many times i was sitting on a paycheck waiting just making sure everybody else could cash theirs you know i mean okay. there was tumbleweed going through the store yeah. there was a time where like nobody gave a shit about record stores they could care less and then all of a sudden they became really hip and mod and cool again what, <laughs> what made it cool again how did that turn because yeah, it was pop so cool culture now. and you know oh i think one of the things is obviously the um the re- revitalization of vinyl and that is due to record store day so Record Store Day is an uh, an entity that we started. There is three independent groups uh, you know, of, of business owners that started Record Store Day 15 years ago. And what it was is basically coming together and celebrating what we do 
every day, which is being the touchstone in the community, being a place where you just want to come and hang out and meet up with your friends and, and be turned on to some, you know, come in and just smell the incense and listen to what's being played overhead and discover, you know, flip through stuff in the bins. And, and so we, we turn into a big, huge, large party and that now it's, it's an international celebration. It's over 1500 stores i think maybe even more than that now yeah. and it it saved a lot of record stores including record archive it is it is jamming in here a few it's years ago like i came it. in uh on record store weekend and <laughs> i was like holy cow because i because i remember a few years ago we were talking about doing a demo i was yeah. like let me do a record store today you're like no <laughs> no gonna be too busy i've learned to say no and not feel guilty <laughs> about it only because i'm like i will just make myself crazy i mean because yeah, I, I can't you know right it's just too much i don't need to add another layer yeah, of yeah. Them to the mayhem <laughs> yeah, exactly. but yeah so the, so record store day really was a big and that became you know now you see record players and hotels and and co- tv commercials and blah blah yeah. blah the other thing i do want to mention with with the demise I- at record stores was that there was a lot of decisions made that had nothing to do with us. In other words, the fact that car manufacturers stopped putting CD players in cars. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's Half the time I'm alone. The only time I am alone, I'm married. I've got three kids. I've got 18 kids here. I'm like, the only time I'm alone is in my car. It's when I can listen and think and whatever. And so I, it was nice to have a CD player in your car. Totally. You know, and now obviously it's digital and technologies and all that kind of stuff. You advance and have Spotify and whatever. But um, – so when that did, that eliminated a huge part of people that buying was, CDs just, and music. You know, ex-radio guy myself, that was a big blow to radio for us was, think about that for years. Right. You were trapped in your car with like only yeah, a couple of options. <laughs> and now you got a zillion <laughs> options. And I really thought that was a part of what started yeah. to hurt radio years ago. Oh, sure. People it had it a definitely million impacted options. it, of course. Yeah. Okay, what about this? Can you explain to me the science behind this? They They say vinyl sounds better than anything. CDs, cassettes, whatever. Why does vinyl sound so great? What is the actual reason? I have no idea. Well, there's a certain warmth to it. You can okay. tell, like I can sit in my office and, you know, we've got a turntable play, you know, and a CD player and all that stuff. But I can tell the difference between playing a record and listening to a CD. Really? I mean, and it and it's just, there's just the whole, and I, again, it's it gets more technical than even I can articulate, but. You, you know, you're talking about a digital, a CD where it's like bits of information, digital sound versus the warmth of wax. I mean, it's in these little wax pellets that create these vinyl. You know, I mean, it, it's just incredible. The, the actual, the f- I don't even know how they invented vinyl to begin with records. Whoever figured out how to take music and put it on a record, like that seems like a miracle to me. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Who's uh, the, how? What? I mean, anyway. it's somebody kooky like Ben Franklin or something like you know, It's like one of those great inventors. You know, and I should know this probably, right? Uh, it's too late in the day for me to pull that one out. But um, yes, I mean, it. I, I'm, in, I'm so amazed because there's a lot. I have a great crew here and, and my vinyl experts are truly vinyl experts. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I mean, I love music. It's an intrinsic part of my life, clearly. And I am so sensitive to it everywhere I go because I think mu- there is every environment provides an opportunity for music if you're happy it's just like alcohol if you're happy you drink you're sad you drink if you're you know even at a funeral you want to yeah. hear music you know if you at a wedding you want to hear me you're celebrating so like there's music opportunities everywhere so whenever i go to places i'm so critical of what they're playing or not playing <laughs> even at the grocery store half the time i'm in the grocery store i'm like oh 
that's cool to listen to this. So, but um, how so hard is it to get a? How hard is it to actually get hired here? Because I imagine that you can't just like fill out an application. I I bet you. It's so funny because it's it's kind of well, you know, we go in waves. It's like any, you know, everyone's like, I want to work at Record Archive. I want to work there, and I'm like, that's so cool. That's awesome. I'm so appreciative. You're that passionate about it. But it's I don't need anybody right this minute. Yeah. Now tomorrow so I could have three people say oh, I'm moving to you know a Hawaii, and then I'm like, okay, I gotta put it out there. We're hiring. But does someone have to sit here and prove their knowledge of music to you in order I, to get? You know hired? what? Here, this isn't this is gonna circle back with what I was saying previously. Is that do you have to have music knowledge? Sure. However, you gotta be a cool person that can talk to. It's about customer service. Yeah. It's about experience. It's about just being authentic. You know, it ha It's about being grounded and also having a willingness to learn new things. Because we have all the tools. You can be a music musicologist by a few keystrokes. You know, there's you know, between Google and all of our suppliers and websites and all stuff. You can find a, a, any morsel of what John Mayer ate this morning or whatever. You can find out about anything. But it's more about being just a really um, a, a very proactive person and, and being willing and open and having personality. I like people with personality. Yeah. That's why yeah. I love you. <laughs> so yeah, just but no, I th and I've I've got I've had a lot of great people walk through these doors and I have a wonderful core group that have been with me for a long time. I got people here for twenty years. When you have somebody you love, and now I'm just asking for professional advice, how do you make sure you keep them? That's a great question, and it's very complicated because you have to remember that people are motivated by different things. Some people, it's all about the money. Some people, it's all about the title and recognition. Some people, it's about flexibility. Some people, it's about just wanting to be heard. I want my, I want to own this idea, this promotion, whatever. So you have, it's as a, as a manager, as an owner, it's your job to figure out what these, what resources all these people present. Because they all have different things, and that's what's cool about having such a mixed bag of, of, of staff is everybody brings something different to the table, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they do. And you don't. And sometimes it takes a while to discover what those talents are. I mean, I've got a guy who's a chef, an opera singer, a bartender, <laughs> and owns his own recording studio. So, <laughs> and I've got guys in bands, and I've got you know people that dance and sing. I've got people that have you know. I, it just it's all over the board. Yeah. So, so you figure out what motivates you. Do them you have and, and, and you know feed that. And you have to you know yeah. you can see it you can pick up and, and you can and some people are just happy to tell you that. Yeah. You know, it's not always about the money. It was never about the money for me. I just you know. I so uh, no, I totally totally agree. Uh, so record archives about the music at first, but at some point you add as we used to call it tchotchkes, <laughs> and you guys are like also really known for your tchotchkes. <laughs> we are like Christmas. I worked very hard on that. Yes, that was also. Where do you another, find all this stuff? Uh, I I don't sleep. I'm up in the middle of the night <laughs> writing toy orders, and I'm laughing as I'm doing because I'm having so much fun reading the kooky greeting cards and shit that I buy. Um, the that was another. You know, we talk about those. Let's t you know. We're in a really good place right now, but you know, knock on wood, business-wise, it's very robust and solid. We've got a good crew, and everybody's good. But there are some really lean years, and when businesses like Best Buy and Target and they used to have Borders and those kind of stores where they came in to the markets and started selling CDs for nine ninety nine, well, my cost is over ten dollars. Mm -hmm. So they're instantly those are the lost leaders. Best Buy and a lot of those places, all they did was come come into the marketplace, screw up the music industry for the small businesses and then pack up and Fuck disappear. So. Exactly. How, did, how were they selling CDs for 10 Because they were lost leaders. So in other words, yeah. t Best Buy had, you know, the new Mariah Carey CD on sale for seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine, which I could never put that. It, I would be losing money and yeah. I don't have anything else in addition to sell. But they're hoping you're to come in, pick that up, 
when you're buying that new washing machine yeah. or refrigerator or computer. So that's why, you know, in Target the same way. They get now they do special strategic alliances with a certain artists that they'll you know a color variant on a record. You know, Taylor Smith Swift uh, Swift will give them a special piece because she's getting a big fat check. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to pay her out. You know, so that's where our coalition of independent music stores is really important because we founded this group 25 years ago which i'm still on the board of directors for this and it was basically bringing all these cool record stores across the country together and like what do i do in rochester new york what do you do in seattle what do you do in portland we all have the same challenges and issues they're not going to be identical but we can come together and share best practices and we're not necessarily competitors let's band together so we're actually an llc and, and it's uh it's really that's a n- tremendous resource right there what is a really cool record store if somebody let's, let's say within driving distance because you know some stuff on the west coast i get what is something within driving distance that within you would recommend in to driving distance well it's a, say a few hours okay well <sighs> there's a couple i would say a few hours i'm gonna go further than that i'm gonna go to down to poughkeepsie okay um and um wait a minute looking for the name yeah because it's yeah. totally i'm having a senior moment that's okay um just a hip record store yeah i'm gonna come back to that but it's easier for me to tell you stores in other cities yeah yeah so what's the is there an iconic to cut that part well, that's I don't okay hear but um <laughs> yeah so yes there's a lot of iconic record stores yeah yes amoeba in la but um music millennium in portland oregon waterloo in austin texas twist and shout in denver easy street in seattle um, Plan Nine in Virginia. Uh, I mean, you I mean, don't have to. That's okay. That's it goes on and on. Yeah. The list goes on and on. Really cool, iconic stores that have been around, and they, and what makes them cool is kind of all the stuff that I talked about at Record Archive. But they are also in these really tremendous cities that have a lot more opportunity. With, oh yeah, we're gonna have right. uh, this star stop by today because yeah. they live down the street, and that you know, especially my friend John in Austin. I mean, he's got he's got a, a big star in his store every day. Because everybody lives in Austin now. Well, or that's Nashville. A great, great segue into. I mean, I'm looking around some of the pictures. It just well, the first thing I see, I see you with 50 Cent. Yeah. How about that, right? There's a million pictures of artists that have been in here uh, over the years. I mean, talk about like when did it start where you would get artist appearances? Is that something you guys were doing in the 70s we were, and 80s? Yeah, or? yeah, we were doing that back and sure, even before I started. Richard we used to do this thing called Live at the Archive, and we do live concerts in the back. Look, it was me. <laughs> in the back room, because we always had live performance space in our stores. So he would do, they would, and they would um, do a uh, radio broadcast on um, uh, RUR, U of R's uh, radio station, I think it was, or ITR and RIT. So he's, you know, we had, oh my goodness, we've had everybody from like the Ramones, REM, the replacements, uh, and we've had a ton of people. That's one regret that I have is that I wish I did a better job cataloging all the stars that came through Record Archives doors. Uh You don't have like a master list. I wish I did. I mean, I could say, you know. Uh, John Dunsworth from The Doors, that was a cool one. Um, Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC, he was here a few years ago. Collective Soul, those guys were just here a couple months ago. Yeah, I was um, going to say, you can just look at the wall. Yeah, and start I mean. <laughs> it's literally we, what you're doing. But yeah, it's, I know. But it's like, it's just, it's really, unfor- you know, I met Neil Young a bunch of times, but he never came to Record Archive. Oh, you know, f- the band Fun, they they were here right before they won all their Grammys. Fun was? Y- yeah. yeah. Right, and they've done a couple in stores. And oh, they're naked ladies. I used to drive them around in my car. You know, I mean, like, there's been, there's been a, so many really fun bands through our doors that I I just, I'm so mad that I can't, I, I forgot more than I remembered. How, how many times have you had it where it was like you had to hire security because you were worried you were going to get overrun? A few times. It was that big. A couple times. Yeah. Um, 
you know, John Denzer from the Doors. Not that I thought anything was anybody, anything bad was going to happen. Just like just crowd control. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. really making sure that it was we we're going to be able to provide a safe environment. Right. Um, right. I had uh, Evelyn Champagne King and Stetsasonic at Mount Hope at Jewel. I mean, there's there's been some times where I thought, wow, okay, but not too many, because people are cool. And Mary, and Mary J. Blige, look at her when yeah. she was at Mount Hope. That was before she had all her makeup, all her work done. <laughs> that's her cool. when she was real street, real wow. street cred. Yeah, <laughs> that's a rich, that's great. It's really, it's well, really. Fun. What about um, like have you had? Oh, actually, tell me this: How does it come together? How do you Mary J. Blige is coming down to do a concert or something, or is she just doing a radio promo? I remember that when they used to do promo tours. Yep, where they would go around the country and play little tiny shows. Yep. I mean, a lot. Like, how do you even get on the list? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, sorry. Uh, how does it come together? It comes together in a variety of ways, and it comes exactly like you said. Radio promos. That was a big. That's a big mm-hmm. thing. And it it used to be up until COVID, obviously, but even some of the the uh, big stations in town, they because we have this incredible venue, the back room there, and they would have their VIP listening experience there. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. We had the Goo Goo Dolls and Collective Soul, and uh, um, oh gosh, we had a, probably a handful more that are escaping me, but um, that was a really cool scene. But also combination of me reaching out to record labels, artist management, the bands themselves, depending on who they are and if I've known them, cross paths with them th- throughout the years, and just saying, hey, why don't you guys stop by and let's do a quick little, you know, three or four songs prior to your show, or, or you know, you, you got to remember that a lot of times when bands are going from city to city, they're just, they're, they have nothing to do with themselves during the day. You know, I'm like, so I'm like, hey, I will always buy you dinner or lunch or come hang out. We'll provide, you know, and now I've got a bar, come mm-hmm. have a beer, you know, whatever. So it's, it's a combination. And and that is probably still after all my years doing all, all the different things I do. That's the thing that I enjoy most is getting the artist and their fan and the closest intimate setting imaginable. What about, have you ever had anyone come in incognito? Have you ever had anyone come in and be like, Psst, hey, Elaine, that's me, Mary J. Blige. <laughs> I wish. No, but that would be cool. I wish I welcome it. Anybody want to come in and just wear a long, long hat and coat? Sure. No, I no, not that I not that I can remember. <laughs> well, you are a destination spot. You know, people come to town, and I think you're one of those, you know, it's a certain type of person, but there are people who come to town, and they definitely Google, what am I going to do in this town? And I would imagine over the years, maybe it's happened, you don't even realize it, to be honest. Well, yes, we in the last 10 years, we actually made a conscious decision to really make an effort to do that. Um, There's a group called Visit Rochester, Mm -hmm. which is the local travel and tourism um, body that represents Rochester and all the Finger Lakes in the region. And I started going to their meetings and I got some awards. I got the Hats Off Award and I got this Rookie of the Year Award because I would go and, and I you know I love brainstorming with people and and getting these kind of opportunities and and, and we really became we forced it like you need to come to Record Archive you know even if you don't like music come and you know buy a light up Jesus like, <laughs> like Weez likes or any little I have people that come at Christmas time Polly they don't they don't buy music and they they buy hundreds of dollars with the stocking stuffers I tell you I, I worked with Weez for years and I saw people throw very expensive things at him. To get tiny little mentions. <laughs> but one time he came in here and got a Jesus bobblehead <laughs> that must have been $6. <laughs> and 
and he talked about it for three years. Oh my god, no kidding! <laughs> and I love him to pieces for that. Oh my goodness, he, you know I adore him. I miss I miss him. I, I love seeing the, he and Dorian on social media, and they're living in a good place and all that stuff. But he would he like, honey, I'm honey, I got I need this thing. I'm like, all right, or like I'm coming in. I said, listen, you got to give me a heads up because you start flapping your gums on radio and then people call me like, I need this thing. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't even know what it is. Because he would come in here and I'd have a, bu- a bunch of stuff and I don't even know what he would take half the time. But I'm like, you got to let me know. I gotta, Otherwise, you're going to wipe me out. I can't, you know. So but he was like, I'm talking about your girl on radio. I'm like, okay. He would. He talked about you all the time. Such a sweetheart. I just remember the bobblehead Jesus lasted yep. forever. He loved that bobblehead Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had a quite a Jesus collection when you think about it. He but did. yeah, and I had the little light up keychains. Those were like my best sellers for years. Yeah. Years. <laughs> Where yeah. do you I know I asked you this before, but like is there a you just poke around on Google? No, no, no. So um I, I one of the things I personally like to do is to travel and I think probably it's one of the biggest challenges these last couple of years with, you know, thank you, COVID and coronavirus yeah. is is just not being able to, to go places because I, I get inspired by um travel and so i would go to new york or i've been to atlanta i've been to a couple um vegas and they would have trade shows so toy and gift trade shows in fact i'm getting ready to go to one in las vegas next month so that's where you go and you walk these booths and you look there with and i i can walk a show by myself Mm -hmm. fairly quickly because i know what i'm i know what i'm not looking for you know and you just walk up to the booth and order a couple cases have it shipped to me in exactly you know here's my credit sheet here's my business card here's my credit card whatever i want that 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 write my order and on my way (laughs) and then you start relationships that way and then there's also a couple vendors that i mean there's a lot of people that i buy online from now because it's just easier to and i i really don't sleep i'm up at two three o'clock in the morning writing toy orders and (laughs) you know it's my therapy i guess (laughs) let's talk about the back room so you did that a few years ago yeah that was my baby that that was a whole different thing because now you're talking food and beverage right yep so talk about like what was the inspiration behind that and then how 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 difficult was that to get started because it had to be a new venture for you it was it was it was quite a challenge well back to record store day so when we then when record store day started really kind of none of us knew what the impact that was going to have on our business so we didn't really the first couple years like okay yeah yeah rah rah record store day well we were getting a special use permit as we following as as things the the focus became clear of what record story was about and the opportunities that it presented, I said, okay, let's make a party out of this. We do live music, bands, food trucks, whatever. So we would get a special use permit to have to sell beer and wine that day only. You could do it three times a year, and so about oh my goodness, because sixteen about eight years ago now, nine years ago, I said, Richard, I think we can do this full time, and he's like, Elena, you really want to jeopardize a forty year old business? I'm like, no. Pays my mortgage too. I said, "This is how I want to do it. No hard liquor, Mm-mm. beer, wine, sparkling seltzers, hard ciders, that kind of thing. It's fine. We don't need to get into shots and you know, Long Island iced teas. I don't want people getting messed up here." Well, it, that, it, well, the whole reason was it's just like, look, this is going to be a place for you to come relax, not a place for you to come get drunk. Right. That was the idea. I my 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 thing is probably is like you know because we only do happy hours. Yeah. And and I said the other thing is we we're going to keep retail hours. We close at nine o'clock. Now we close at seven. But on Wednesdays we stay open until nine. And it's great. Every Wednesday, I've got 60 to 100 people here. They show up at 6 o'clock. They have a couple beers, listen to some nice free live music. They're out of here by 8.30. They're home or whatever. They're out of here. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they go. But you can be home in bed by 9 o'clock and get up and go to work the next day. And you're right. Liquor changes that. It does. Now you've got drunk people. People get loose. Yeah. And they get careless. And it can be dangerous. And it can be messy. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I, um, that was my big thing. And I said, this is how, you know, it's a different type of license, tavern license. And, but it took me two years to convince them. So I said, we're going to keep it very, um, very obviously, I'm very hands-on. 
I'm going to see this through. And it has been a blast. It has been wonderful. So we took over that space in um, 2015, I think it was, 2014. And it was raw space, had a drop ceiling in it. There was a guy back there that was making lightning rods for golf courses. Never even knew it was a business. Clearly, it wasn't successful because he couldn't pay his bills. <laughs> so the landlord's like, lightning rods for yeah, did, did you ever notice that? pretty niche. I, I never say. even knew there was such a thing. No. I'm not a golfer, so I guess I it wasn't I mean. a thing, though. He was doing <laughs> well, so, you know, so he, he had, so he had the space, and it was, it was gross. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, but it had no HVAC, whatever. So... We, my husband, not who's not my business partner, my husband, Rio, I said, this is what I want to do. I want to make this part of the store different than the rest. I want it to be dark and intimate, give people a place to hang out. He cut the archways. My girlfriend made the fabric. We bought the bar at the fire, at the Soda's Fire Department for 100 bucks on Craigslist. And we just started this little thing. And I, and, and I started pursuing, actually, at the time, my assistant, Deb, was very instrumental in getting the license for us. And uh, we got it. How hard was the license? It took, um, I think we applied in the spring and we got it in September. Oh, that's not bad. It was not bad because we're, you know, it's industrial. There's no residential. There's no schools. There's no churches. There's nothing around, nothing competing. And they probably thought, what is this business going to do with a <laughs> license <laughs> anyways? And it has been a game changer. Is that hard? Do they come in and interview you or anything? Or it's just money and it's waiting? It's money. It's paperwork. It's profile. It's fingerprinting. It's a okay. severe background checks. Oh, yeah. there's uh, New York State Liquor Authority is nothing to mess around with. Yeah. And so, we, you know, we dotted every I and crossed every T. and But also have also stayed very true to what we wanted to do. It's very simple. It's clean. And even from the food standpoint, um, you know, yes, I have my certificate from under county health department, all that kind of stuff. But we, I don't want to get into a real big kitchen or any kind of stuff. So we just do basic. We have a wholesale account with a pizza place. We have a pizza oven. We have some other little light things that we do. But who knows? Maybe that'll be the next phase. That'll be the next chapter of Record Archive. Well, you are, as I said at the beginning, you're on fire. <laughs> you don't stop. What's going through your head right now? Like, what's the thing right now that's just brewing in your head that Oof. you're like, oh. We're going to do five years from now, Record Archive will be this. Well. Because I know there's got to be something that's got you tossing and turning right you now. You know, I'm, o- I'm always, you know, to me, you have to work on your business every day. And that's the thing is that I think in order to be successful, you can't ever just sit back and say, oh, yeah, I'm good and let it go. You totally. can't do that. It doesn't matter if you're making sauce or if you've got a bar or, you know, you've got to work at it every day. And so even when they don't see, if I'm not here, I'm working. You know, even before I came this morning, I'm answering emails and making appointments with people and stuff. So I'm always thinking about what the next thing is. I don't know. I mean, I want to keep – there's always more opportunity to get better at what you do. There, ha- There is. No one's perfect. You know, I mean, I, there, I'm always working on utilizing every square inch of this space. So that means I'd have to go up more vertically, maybe a little catwalk area or something. <laughs> um, I want to work on more of my record archive merch and expand that. And the food thing is interesting because I got a guy who's actually really good, and that's what he wants to do is he's got talent. And I said, well, maybe that back wall could blow out, and I could put some garage doors in there, and we could have it like a speakeasy in the back entrance. You know, who knows? That'd be pretty cool. Speakeasies are around, but they, they a few years ago became a real thing. Yep. And I, I got really into that. I went to New York City and found a couple. That's, and it's, Monroe's a, it's intriguing. On Monroe Avenue was yeah. doing one for a little while. Yeah, downstairs. And, yep. Yeah. Well. I, I thought that was a really cool idea. And so you were already cool. That would <laughs> really work Thanks. here. Yes. 
We'll see. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, and we learned this this past Christmas, is the core business is music. It always has been, and it most likely always will be, and I hope that it is. Um, and we've been fortunate enough where that, the store is so robust that uh, has allowed me to have the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, the bar is my fodder. It's a lot of fun. It brings people together. We celebrate live music together. It's just a good time. And, and I can do other things, you know, I have, you know, demonstrations and whatever, I run out for private events, we do a lot of private parties there. So it really, the trajectory of that room took off, even more so than I thought it would. Um, but the store side, like this Christmas time with, with COVID, and we had to shut things down back there, the store had never been stronger. It was amazing to me. So I don't want to ever lose sight of that. And I, and I think people think that I do sometimes. I don't. I know that my fingers on the on the ball, my fingers on on the ball for this. I'm always paying attention to what's going on in the music part, but I am always looking at other things too. Why did uh, a store like this boom during COVID? People got into vinyl. Yep, people got into vinyl. We ship. First of all, we that's another thing we talk about. I mean, for the last 20 years, I've been ship you know shipping packages all around the globe. You know, we've been on Amazon before people were even know about Amazon and eBay and gem and discogs and all these other marketplaces because when it was slow when i couldn't depend on just rochester feet and eyeballs coming in the store I'm like we got to look at other things we have to look at other revenue streams and and online and selling japan other countries all around the globe we ship stuff every day so i've got a guy one guy full-time just on ebay you know one guy yeah. doing you know discogs and other shipping records but vinyl became real when you're home you're home during covid you can go anywhere so you're listening to your music. What what it was amazing, and especially with vinyl because you have you have to interact with vinyl. You can put a CD on and forget about it. You can have your 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 earbuds on. You can be listening to Spotify and not think about. It. But with vinyl, you gotta sit down. You gotta open up that that jacket. You gotta take the record out. You gotta put it on the on the platter. You gotta drop the needle on the record, and then you get so many songs you gotta get up and flip it. <laughs> so you have to be interactive with it. And what I love about vinyl. Unlike any other form of pre-recorded media, it's a generation bridge builder. I see parents and grandparents coming in with their kids. Check out the Stones record, this Beatles record, this Who record, like never before. And women, young girls, buying records. It's a cool thing. From from a future standpoint, it's what we need. You got to keep feeding that beast. Yeah, I need those great. youngins in here to keep buying it. It's pretty cool. I'll be... It's pretty cool. I mean, I remember going to my grandpa's house when I was a kid. There's something romantic about vinyl. There is, for sure. There really is. There's something that's uh, you never got that out of cassettes or CDs or or anything like that. It, no, there was just something about vinyl that was cool. And grandpa used to put that on. He danced with my grandmother in front of us. And yes, like you can't replicate that except I for maybe you can and just create that for the next generation. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's a it's a bridge. Yeah. I love that you put it that way. That's yeah, cool. it's it's really, yeah. it's something that I've witnessed over and over again, and it's so, um, it's just so special, and it's just so sweet, and you can see the excitement, because you can, you got to remember, like, remember generations, like, one generation never liked the music of the previous generation. Right. Every, <laughs> that's your rule. I mean? The rule of your generation <laughs> is you have to think the next generation's the, music oh, sucks. Oh, their music sucks. Yeah, yeah. it sucks. <laughs> but it doesn't. I mean, my 15-year-old daughter is, yeah. is listening to Beatles. Yes, she's listening to One Direction and Harry Styles and all that stuff, too. But she's listening to 
the Beatles and who and all kinds of cool stuff. And, but there's great stuff. Like our generation, I mean, we we have Adele. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's, a, that's like a superpower right She's there. She's pretty brilliant. <laughs> can't can't take the, can't take it away from her, man. She's got some pipes on oh, her. Oh yeah. And then and you know another one that came through that was uh, originally I think seen by because remember I was with Wheeze and Billy DeTore right for years. Sure. Billy one that came it. around originally that was was panned. But then eventually everyone went, oh, no, that's actually talent, was Lady Gaga. Oh, Originally she comes out, amazing. she's a pop star. She's wearing these weird things. And, you know, Weezes and Billy are looking going, who is it? But then all of a sudden she sits down at a piano and oh, you go, yeah. oh, shit. That's look a real Look musician. at her with Tony Bennett. Look at her as yeah. an actress. Yeah. I mean, incredibly multifaceted. And I think, the you know, maybe, and I don't want to say it's a misstep, but I think because she came out of nowhere, like, the kind of the garish, the, the hairstyles and the, that presence about her, yeah. you know, people are like, oh, it's like Madonna, like a new v- Madonna and stuff. I think she is the real deal. Oh, yeah. She is incredible. Yeah. When and she, she did the Poker Face, whatever uh, album that was, she did uh, an acoustic version. She sat down at a piano, sang a bunch of those songs, and it just kind of shut everyone up. Yeah. Who was saying she's just a pop diva. Oh, yeah. It was just this thing where everyone went, whoa, <laughs> that's a musician. Oh, yeah. What and a about, jazz singer. Yeah. What about uh, business owner, again, what keeps you up at night? It might kind of be a fringe as far as what's coming up. You kind of maybe already answered it. But what is something where you just go, ah, oh, we got to be better at that? Does that stuff happen to you? Do you toss and turn sometimes at 2 a.m. thinking, oh, we got oh, to well, fix that? You know what? First of all, having <laughs> I can say now that having lived through a pandemic and having had to shut your business down, yeah. that was absolutely terrifying. That was gut-wrenching. Ter- I mean, I was so upset because I never I, I never thought I would see the day where I'm like, I have to lay off my staff so that they can go collect unemployment because I don't have – it's not like we're sitting on piles of money in the bank where you can just, oh, yeah, we're going to ride this out. Nobody knew what was going to happen. So thank God, you know, there was those programs that came through with the PPP money and all that stuff. But that was that was a that was a real game changer for me. Yeah, that was that was a real defining moment of I need to take care of my people. I need to, you know, if we can make this through, I want to make sure that everybody that comes in these doors has a good experience, is treated with respect and is happy when they leave. And so that was and and it is our customers that kept us alive. Facer, I mean, they were so determined. I mean, I had P- I had uh, private events on the books where people had given me deposits. Like, no, we're just going to push it out. We'll be there next year. And I'm like, oh, my God, they have more confidence that we're going to come back in uh, than I do. <laughs> I'm like, how do they know we're going to make it through? That was the last two years has just been Beautiful. a roller coaster of emotion. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful. Okay, so uh, yeah, obviously you're busy. You're running a business. You I know we go. can jab. We but can. I we probably went way over what you. you can, no, it's you're okay. You're gonna have to edit a lot out. <laughs> I like to. I no, I love it. It's great. But I want to. <laughs> I've been so impressed with just how busy the whole time you've had several texts. Your phone has <laughs> rang a thousand times, and I I actually feel good because I look at people like you and I'm like I want to be like her. Oh no, you don't. Right? <laughs> but then I look and I go, just since we sat down, I cleared it all. I've got nine texts and four voicemails. See. And I, I think I'm running. Dude, pace. you are, you oh, are on fire run, too. Well, I don't know. Come on, most of it's probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. There it's all go. good. There, there's another one. There yeah. you go. Ooh, mutual friend Dresden for some reason. Oh, nice. There we go. Nice. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Elena. Oh, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for thinking about me and wanting to talk with me. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you. And and I'm a big fan and big supporter and always will be. Go on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, Record Archive is one of those first first places to get your sauce. You were. You absolutely were. I was so excited about that. I'm like, I'm going to call him. 
And, and I actually, didn't even know you, really. I knew when you started that back room. It was late 2014, early 2015, because when I first came here to bring sauce, took me around, gave me a tour, and showed me that room. Right. And you're like, we just took this over. Right. We're going to do this back. So I, that was right when it was. Yep. It's right when I started my business. Yeah. That's right. No, you were amazing. You so Right off the bat, you were like, I will carry this sauce. Without you a had doubt. no reason to carry that sauce. Oh, I, I'm, no. I know. It was all really kooky. But I also, because that was kind of dovetailing with being a destination, and I wanted to provide people that came into the store I, I was assuming a lot of people coming in from out of town but they could take a little piece of rochester back with them yeah and you're right. part of that that's right i right, thank you for doing this thank you honey cheers